Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. Amen. We're on. Good evening to everyone. We thank the Lord for his presence in this house tonight. We thank God for direction. Um, this Monday night was a powerful night with the men. Um, transformation. Uh, when the men begin to take courage in their hearts. Um, and we were going through Judges chapter 13 this Monday. And one of the words that, that struck us as something that we would highlight is verse 12. We're doing Judges 13, 12. Um, we know the story of Samson. We're intrigued by how God chooses to manifest his purpose. There's nothing worse than this life of not having purpose and significance and um, evidence was on Monday night, we received news of the death of Robin Williams, who we all grew up in our generation to look towards him for laughter and uh, resilience of a spirit. And then, like the Bible says, the end of a man uh, that is not have his hope placed on God is to be snuffed out um, like a candle when you grab the wick and you just say, you know, that, that's it. It's no longer around. And so what was appearing to be a great light in our generation uh, to take things lighthearted became a, a horrible uh, end to the existence of his life. Um, just considering his children, if dad called it quits and threw the towel, I mean, are we supposed to follow? Uh, I was speaking to a man this week unrelated to this Robin Williams incident and he says, in our family, he goes, Pastor, you don't know, in our family, um, we considered it a curse to live long life. So by the age of 70, we were all expected to commit suicide. And he tells me his mom tried to commit suicide three times. So some people have a paradigm of life without hope and without grace. Now, we serve the God of all hope and the God of abounding grace. And so every season of our life is filled with great expectation of significance and purpose. Um, all the more when we're young, and we always talk about the testimony of my best friend last year losing his firstborn son at the age of 15 and a half, called it quits on life and, and uh, committed suicide at the age of 15 at the beginning of last summer. And, and so where are you if you're 15 years old and you don't have a clear path of the future? So here, the, the parents of Samson um, address the man of God Literally like going up to your pastor and asking him these questions. Let your words come to pass with respect of what God wants to fulfill in the life of our son. But what ought to be the boy's rules of life? What are the boundaries? Do you know anybody who's making a lot of plans without checking with the man of God? Without seeking the counsel of the Lord? And it's, so, it's such a sign of pride. It's such a sign of independence to not consider the way of the Lord. 
And so on Monday night, we were talking about how parents come and say, what will be the boundaries of our children's life? What will be the, what will be the roadmap? How will he become industrious? Because there's nothing, there's no greater joy in the life of a pastor to see the people prosper. That's why, that's why God chose us in this manner. If you, if you understand, if you go back 16 years and you see individually, um, I was talking to a man yesterday. He says, Pastor, guess what? Just seeing the amount of times that you have to talk to people and, and, and how God, I pray for you. And I try to make as less problems for you as possible. Because he took one missionary trip with us. We took about 10 couples to Arizona. And he says, man, you were, you were just like, you know, so many different people, so many different cultures, so many different backgrounds. And everybody brings the forefront of their gorilla instincts to want to, to you know, to go their own way. So sometimes uh, I was talking to a man today and, and he'll try to lead his daughter. Look, we're going to go this way. No, 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 I want to take a look. Okay. Do whatever you want. How, how many would consider that the most horrific words that a parent could ever tell their child, do whatever you want? Imagine where that child ends up. Okay, so these parents came, and incidentally, I was talking to parents on Sunday, and I was telling them the same thing. I'm surprised at you've been here for 10 years and how you have never come and asked for advice. And so he was like, and then the following day on Monday night, he comes to the men's meeting and he hears Manoah come up to the messenger of God and say, listen, point us in the direction that will be beneficial for the peace, the joy, the prosperity, the provision, the significance of God's life over our children. And the truth of the matter is that very few people have a relationship like that. Um, so they're just playing Russian roulette. And then here's, here's the worst words that a, a son could hear from his father's lip. Ready? Go ask your mom. Because I don't pray. Because I don't read the Bible. Because I'm not in relationship with God. Just go ask your mom. No spiritual leadership. When we need to be in our prayer closet, we need to be on our knees. We need to ask God to have mercy on us and to be able to give us a word for our, our sons and our daughters. Uh, that, that joint effort of parenting is not a single mother's life. And so I just want you to know that from the very first day that we're born to the last day that we leave this earth, God has already figured it all out. He's designed it. And, and he's not going to allow it to go foul ball or default mode. He's going to put in the lips of the right people at the right time, this is the way of the Lord. This is what God wants. This is what I'm feeling from the Lord. Um, very different from a fortune teller's life. A fortune teller is not connected to God. A fortune teller is connected downstairs in darkness. I remember... Uh, a real good friend went to a fortune teller once and he went as a game. He was a teenager. He was 19 years old. And he said, I'm just going to see what she says. So he goes to a fortune teller, puts his hand out, and she says, I see that you're going to inherit a lot of money from a blonde widow. 
a blonde lady who's a widow. And he came to school the next day and he was boasting that he had gone to a fortune teller. And I said, let me ask you a question. Isn't it true that your mom is blonde hair and for her to be a widow, your dad has to die? He goes, no. I go, exactly. You went to go ask the devil and the devil will come into your life. So sometimes we're going out of our way and we're not asking the Lord and then we have uh, a pronounced destruction on our life. But this was very interesting because both parents of Samson um, were concerned. And so they came up with this, this question, which you do well in considering humility. We told the men on Monday night, you're never going to accomplish the purpose of God in your life until you humble yourself enough to ask someone the pathway. Ask someone for directions. Ask someone from, uh, for the word of the Lord. What will be the boundaries of our children's life? This is beautiful. What, what will be the direction of his industry? We're concerned that it would be God's determining factor. Now, one of the things that uh, we have a special guest tonight, but before he comes up, I want to make sure that you understand that, that our desire... Um, the Christian life is a marathon. It's not a quick sprint. And for all of those of you that already want to get to where God is leading you, the word is be still. Relax and enjoy the ride. This is not a fix quick. You're not going to get nowhere fast. It's not going to become an automatically one day dream come true scenario. This is, the Bible says, that we're to persevere for the long haul. What God has for us in the coming days will be determined based on us staying the course. And some people cannot. People don't have the character um, to see this come to pass. See, see everything tie in. Uh, anyone's life in the Bible that you see uh, starting with, with the prophetic, the announcements of God's purpose in his life. Uh, it could be Joseph when he saw the dreams. Before they became fulfilled, a lot of things happened. Over 15 years of crisis, challenges, tribulation to bring him to the point of the prince of Egypt. So, so this is for the long haul. This is not for the faint-hearted. Um, one of my favorite verses, and you should have favorite verses in this regard, is Galatians 6, 9, which it says, Do not be weary in doing good. Do not grow weary while you're being a champion. Oh, I'm a champion! Yeah, but you got to be a champion a lot longer. So God could bring you into your victory. In due season, you're going to reap if you don't lose heart. Lose heart is what people do when they quit. The, the call of God is not for quitters. The old saying, winners never quit and quitters never win. So we have to understand. I, I wish I, I would have had some more of that in my young age uh, 
but we, we've, we've lasted 30 years. Uh, this year, when Lifeway called and said they want to publish our book, they said, Meh, about 2015. I'm like, no, 12 more months, no, can't take 12 more months, ah! I want it now, I want it today, <laughs> I want it right now. And so God just continues to say, hey, brother, there's something being produced in your character through waiting. You're not going to be in a hurry, and you won't be in a worry. You're not going to be in a hurry, and you're not going to allow it to worry you because God will fulfill that which he has caused to, to come on your life in a manner. So this thing about not diminishing our strength in the crossroads of life, I want you to tell your neighbor, do not be diminished in your strength. Don't let the fuel start flickering and the wick start going out and the ashes being greater than than the flame the youth here have something called fan the flame and that means let's not let the fire go out another person told me that you take two coals and and you separate them and they both go out but if you get two coals and put them together that fire will continue to um, display resilience and long-lasting fire so let us not diminish the strength and i just want to give you one thing before uh we allow our guest to come here and, and share his heart um one of the things that allows us to not allow um in job 17 9 i keep on telling the young people that there is power in their purity the more you allow God to wash and to cleanse and to perfect and to laser focus your intensity and your passion for Christ, yet the righteous will hold, on, hold to his way and he who has pure hands, clean hands, will be stronger and stronger. Allow God to take you there, to be more sanctified, more holy, more narrow is the word, uh, is the way so that, your, so that your pathway becomes stronger. So I tell, if, if this is true, that your purity makes you stronger and more powerful, then you washing down and, and you're just like anything goes and, and you look like anything and you're, you're with anybody and you... You have any conversations, you look at any television, you, you listen to any music, you, listen, you're diminishing your strength. Allow God to drive you to a place where purity is your passion, where you're not going to listen to just any music, you're not going to have just any friends, you're not going to have any conversations. Allow God to consecrate your eyes, you're not going to watch any movie. You're not going to go with any party, any gathering. Um, allow God to lead you in that regards. Because if you start loosening the grip, and we say our Hawaiian friends always say, hang loose. That's not biblical. You better hang tight. Both hands, put your legs around it, and bite it. And your teeth fall out, gum it. But don't let go. 
to what God has promised you. And that's what Jacob told the angel. I'm not going to let go until I get my blessing. I'm, I'm going to persist. I'm going to get stronger and stronger. And so along those lines tonight, we have a powerful word of God from a, a, a great uh, man of God, a servant of the Lord. And, uh, and, and here it is. Um, we want to be able to listen to a servant's heart. Um, his life, his passion. I asked them to, to please pour out on the congregation um, the semblance of, of God's, you know, doing on his life and his walk with the Lord. So let's receive with a warm welcome our missionary from Santo Domingo, Dr. Francisco Sábado. Good evening, everyone. I am so grateful. Jesus once said, um, those who receive me, receive who he sent me. I felt so received, Pastor. Just felt so at home. And I said it two, two times Sunday. I, I feel at home. I feel like I'm with family. Um, I'm meeting more of the congregation each day. I'm, uh, I'm working. I'm accepted. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And so um, tonight, I um, just kind of want to start by giving a little bit of who we are, myself and my family. I'm Francisco Sabado. Uh, we've been in the Dominican Republic since 95, 1995. Our main goal of going to Dominican Republic was to study medicine. But um, that same year, we were mugged in Santo Domingo. Now it's gotten better security-wise. And... Um, but I understand from, from the standpoint God used that for us to draw closer to him. We thought, I thought I was Christian, but I was far away from his word. I thought I was um, a believer, but I was only a believer of the cross. I didn't understand who he was resurrected. I didn't believe in the living God. So we got mugged that night and, and uh, fear entered into our lives frustration. Uh, my wife and I walked, I walked around with a knife in my pocket, <laughs> kitchen knife. I was afraid that every time we'd go home from school, um, that the taxi would take a wrong turn and it would happen again. I was anxious. I was in fear. And then one morning, um, my wife and I were having an a, a intense fellowship. She walked off to school and I said, I'll stay home today. On the way to school, a woman greeted her and said to her, good morning, God bless you. She felt moved inside. She felt like, who is that person? She saw that person go into a business. On the way back home from school, she stopped by and found out they were Christians. Found out they were uh, in a local church. Found out that they, um, they loved Jesus. And so... God used them to draw us closer to the family. They invited us to go to church. They helped us. They translated because the service was all in Spanish. They translated for us in the beginning. And as we were learning about the language and the culture, we started to assimilate. Um, before I go on, is there any Dominican in the crowd? No Dominican. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> Maybe tomorrow night. Um, I have been blessed by that country, and I'm finding out the tremendous blessing 
that that country has been to the, to the nation. And one of the reasons I believe that God called us to be there. Um, the ministry that we have is called Corazón del Siervo. I don't know Spanish, so I actually spelled it with del siervo instead of de siervo. And God gave us that name. Um, and we understood that the heart is an important matter in a man's life, in, in a man. It's, it's the center, it's our core. And if, if it's in tune with God, in tune with his word, if it's guarded, if it's, if it's uh, because it's where life flows, if it's, if it's in the right place, we would be able to change the world. We would be able to make the changes. We would be able to expand his kingdom. So tonight, I just want to share from my heart. Um, I searched and searched and searched and said, wow, who, 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 what, uh, where can I find, um, who is a good example as far as servant? Obviously, Jesus, you know, he's our hero. He came and took the form of a servant. But I also wanted to, to, to go back and, 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 and what God showed me was in Isaiah 6. Now, Isaiah, Pastor mentioned already, and I actually touched on several things I want to talk to you tonight. Um, Isaiah 6. This is Isaiah being commissioned and um, the greatness of all, uh, just kind of picturing the glory, the majesty of God. Um, he is seated in the throne. What an awesome insight to see the Father, the creator of the universe, seated on the throne, to see um, the train of his robe fill the temple. Just, it's mind-boggling. And then Isaiah sees and says, Above him were seraphs, and each had six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. And the whole earth is full of his glory. Hallelujah. We were worshiping earlier like, wow, precioso, hijo de Dios, precious son of God. He is so precious. It's awesome to have a precious God. It is awesome to have a Savior. I was curious as I was, why were their faces covered? Why, why was the, this, this creature, this being, um, covering their faces and covering their feet and, and then all at the same time? And the Holy Spirit whispered to me, well, they, were, he didn't, they didn't want Isaiah to see their faces. Humility. They didn't want to take attention from our Father, the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. They didn't want to take anything away from his majesty. They didn't want Isaiah to focus on them because they're like probably looking strange to him. Like I've never seen those kind of creature and lose his sight on the Lord. Covered their faces. We know that um, pride is opposite of humbleness or humility. 
And we know that in James it talks about, you know, God opposes the pride and pours more grace to, this, to those who are humble. And more and more and more. Ephesians also tells us that to Ephesians 4, 4 2, I'm sorry, 4 12. Or two, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing one another in love. I forgot to let you know that the, the title of this message is Three Vital Qualities of a Servant. And one, the first one is humility. A servant needs to be humble. It's called to be humble. It's called to take the extra mile. To serve. Second one is we notice there that Isaiah says that with two wings they cover their feet. And it's their effort to keep holy, to keep free from contamination, to keep clean. What? Us now. One can keep us dirty. Well, um, we know that. Um, once we come into the Lord, he starts working with our lives, revealing us certain things, generational things. And um, I personally, um, God had shown so many things in, in my life, in, 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 in my ancestors, stuff that's gone on, that were dirty. Um, Ephesians 6, 12 talks about for our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against powers, against this of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. We come against as servants all these things. We come against once we know we have the light, darkness come against us. Keeps us dirty is when we don't forgive, when we're bitter, when we're jealous. Or when envious, when we feel rejected, when we are afraid, when we don't believe, and when we dabble into the occult. Years ago, before, when I was a new Christian, I, I traveled to Guatemala. That was my first um, country that got, felt deeper going into Latin America. Guatemala was having a conference, and, and I was invited as one of the young pastors in our church, and we went. And in the middle of the morning session, a Japanese delegation came up there and got on their knees and said, we want to ask for the sins of the Japanese and that you, the whole world will forgive us for our atrocities during the First and Second World War. And I think I was the only one that felt my heart pop out my chest. And I was looking for somebody to try to ask him, am I having a heart attack? What's going on? And I said, Lord, what is going on? He brought me back when I was a young kid in the Philippines and said, the times that your grandparents and great-grandparents told you how they hated, 
how they hated the Japanese for killing the women, the children, for destroying your people. You kept that in your heart. I said, Lord, I did what? Yes. You have bitterness towards the Japanese, I said. So now, unbelief. Ah, you don't have bitterness. I said, no, this is not a coincidence. So I went up there as they were coming down, and in behalf of the Filipinos, I accepted his plea for forgiveness. And about two years ago, the Lord allowed me to speak to a Japanese church in California. And I felt like, wow, Lord, you knew. You knew that I had to speak about that, about reconciliation, about the power of God, about maintaining our heart clean as we continue to serve him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the Bible, it talks about, you know, a parable where there was two kinds of servant. The one that uh, sowed what the, the talents that was given unto him and the one that hid it. And as we examine that in Matthew 25, 14, 14 to 30, we see the difference was one who kept it and hid it says he was afraid. He was afraid. He had fear. He didn't want that precious thing that, that the Lord gave him to get lost, to be lost. Where the other ones felt, well, I'm going to invest it. I'm going to use it. I'm going to use this talent. I'm going to use it so that it would be multiplied. So fear. Fear paralyzes us. Fear paralyzes progress. So the first vital quality is humility. The second is keeping holy. And the third says here, back in uh, Isaiah 6, And with two, they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. The third vital quality of a servant is worshiper. He or she needs to be a worshiper. Kind of a repeat from Sunday, from Omar. But he or she needs to be a worshiper. Worshiper. Worshipper. I believe God is more interested in the things of our heart than perhaps what we do. We see here that the seraphs were working, you know, as, as they were flying and they were worshiping and they were giving God the glory. They were giving God what's in deep in their core, which is appreciation, which is their awe in Him. And what happened to then Isaiah? Well, verse 5 says, Woe to me. Well, when you look at that, when you read that, okay, well, it's got a quotation, it's got an exclamation. 
in the Dominican Republic, in Spanish, this says, Ay de mi. It's, it's, wow. I don't know if you've gone to the emergency room when something horrible happens to somebody. An accident, and the family, you hear them yelling, and just in anguish, and, and pain. We, part of our ministry in the Dominican Republic is to take care of people that are in their end life, their hospice care. And uh, we see that the family, if they have a relationship with the Lord, they're worshiping God, we're thanking God, they're praying for their family member. But when they do not, they are yelling and screaming and cursing and I want you to imagine Isaiah saying, I de me, woe to me. He came to a point where he says, whoa, something is wrong here. I am wrong. I am wrong. He was deeply convicted. I am wrong. I've been ministering. He's started being used of God, chapter 1, and now we're in chapter 6. And he gets to a point where he says, Woe to me. Woe to me. Woe to me. Looking at the glory of God, looking at the throne, he had an insight of his own condition. When we read the scripture, when we meditate in his word, the Lord will show us it is water. It is, it is going to show us our faults. But thank God, he is merciful. His mercy are new every day. He desires for us to be transformed, to continue to be transformed every day. He says, woe to me, I am ruined. No hope. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among the people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Unclean lips, unclean hearts. The abundance of our hearts speaketh the mouth. I live with rebels. I live with those who do not follow God. I live with disobedient people. I live with them. And he felt like, what to do? As we continue this story, we see the seraphs bring the live coal, the atonement, the act of atonement, the act of redemption. The act that the Lord uses to redeem the servant. I have seen, as a serving in the Dominican Rick for almost 19 years, almost 20 years, I've seen that. Many servants, missionaries, come and go. Come and go. And one of the things that I remind myself 
and my family every day to serve the Lord, we must continue to be humble. We must continue to be a part, to keep holy with the help and the favor and the grace of the Holy Spirit helping us moving forward and to worship Him in the midst of need, in the midst of lack, in the midst of situations that are very difficult. Worshiping Him has given us strength, has given us a smile. Worship Him, Him has caused us to hear His voice and tells us, even though you walk in the valley in a shadow, I will prepare for you this table. I want you to sit because I'm with you. I want you to enjoy the banquet because even though you see your enemies in front of you, taunting you, wanting to destroy you, I am with you. 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 And tonight I want to encourage you, let you know that he is with you. He is with you. He is with you. Pastor, you told me 45 minutes. I got it close. Um, what's in my heart also the Lord was showing with us. If, if, if perhaps you're part of this house and, and you're not involved, you, you want to get involved, but you're saying, I don't know how to get involved. Or you say, well, you know, that's not for me. I'm going to help by, you know, doing this and that. Uh, I, don't, I don't have time. Um, you know, that's for somebody else. I'm not called. Well, I want to remind you that, you know, Jesus said, go ye. <laughs> go ye. It's not stay ye. But in our case, he said stay. But he says go. Go ye in Preach the gospel to all nations. Make disciples. And I know a lot of you guys are in ministry. But if you're not in ministry, and, and, or you want to get in ministry, you want to serve, the doors are open. I'm sure the hearts the hearts that will help you grow and change the world will be willing to train you. Amen? Amen. Pastor. Don't leave yet because this is, uh, this is powerful. This is what I expected um, with respect to knowing Francisco and spending... Uh, five days with him there in Santo Domingo and seeing the extent of his work. Um, usually the men of a lot of work are of little words, right? Um, and I want, to, I want to interview you because you have much more to give. And then uh, we, we see a lot of people speaking a lot, bah, 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 and they do nothing, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab, uh, grab this chair here. You guys help me out. Go ahead and give him that. And, and give me these two benches here. Um, 
I, I'm just interested because we're going to, let's pull this pulpit back a little bit. Uh, very slow. There you go. Right there. That's good. And, you know, this thing about hearing the voice of God, how many, how many people here tonight, you might not know the background story. He goes from, and we're going to get into that so you could explain it, how he goes from California to Dominican Republic. It's an all Spanish speaking country and he speaks no Spanish. So he gets there and, and I don't, he says he had taken two courses of Spanish high school in California, but he gets to into country and, and now he's super fluent and, 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 and speaks, expresses, and, and, and uh, is an orator with respect to communicating with the country. He go, let's, let's go ahead. I want you to tell a story. Tell us how you got to go to Santo Domingo in the first place. How um, old were you? I was, uh, that was, let's see, 95. That was, uh, was 20-something. I don't remember 100%. I was 20-something. And uh, there was an opportunity to follow my dream. My dream was always to um, continue to serve others through medicine. I had already graduated as a nurse in California. And um, background though, um, God used the death of my brother of leukemia to keep me wondering if I could help people or kids that suffered like he did. Older brother, younger brother? Younger brother followed me, Jonathan. Okay. So. And so uh, you, did you like map out where you could, because you could study medicine anywhere. Why? We, we could study medicine everywhere. Um, actually, my wife had gone to the Caribbean and started school. The hurricane came through, closed that school, and so we ended up in Santo Domingo. Okay, so there was actually another school yes. that you yes. guys were at. Yes. And then you transferred over to Dominican Transfers Republic. Dominican Republic. Uh, you're not, still not Christians at this point? Nope. Far from it. And you had, where did you meet Diane in California? Met her in California. And, and I didn't know that she had prayed for a man of God. She had been a Christian, but uh, the church that she attended closed. And so, um, you know, persecuted by her family who were mostly in the Catholic faith. And so she felt like, well, okay. But we met and, and got married, fell in love and got married. And um, I thought it was Christian. Yeah. <laughs> You're a believer. Yeah, I, I believed in, in Jesus, but uh, also um, worship saints and all those other stuff. And Catholic so. tradition. Yes. Okay, so then the scenario is you guys head to Santo Domingo, and you're there in medical school. We're there in medical school our first, our first month. Uh, we're studying with some friends, and we get mugged. How many children do you guys have at this point? We have two. We had two, and they were both in California as we were transitioning and trying to get a place for them okay. as they came. Okay, so then you get become Christians, and, and I want to get to that point. You graduate from med school there? Yes. And you, you hear a voice. You Before even graduating, uh, God was telling us, um, stay. And we're like, no, 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 <laughs> no, no. But God, you know, I can send money. God, you know, we're going to be both of us in California. We could come in mission trips. God, we, we had all these things, excuses. And about the 10th or 12th, minister that came and said i don't know why but god said to stay and he this and that like so we said no wait wait said you know what do we do and somebody wise said ask god for a word ask him to confirm everything that all the prophets and men and women of god are telling you so i did prayed and fasted and you know just kind of one day, I was picking up uh, the bread of life and the same business where my wife uh, connected with the Christian family. And it says, um, Isaiah um, 41.10. 
I took it home and I said, oh, awesome, you know. Read it before I went to bed. The next morning I read it again. And in the morning I said, wait a minute. Okay, God, what are you trying to tell me? Do not fear for I am with you. I was afraid. I didn't want to stay because it wasn't because of the money. I was afraid. I mean, I didn't have any family there. I didn't, the, the future was unknown. Stay for what? Stay for what? He didn't say you're going to be a pastor. He said, stay. Okay, how are we going to live, Lord? Who's going to provide? Who's going to this? I had this so fear, and, 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 and I, I realized, wow, I'm sorry, Lord. I was afraid. Do not fear, for I am with you. Second verse. Can you find that, please? There he goes. Um, do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I, I, I was tired of the fighting of staying or not staying. And I was like, no, no. But he said, I am your God. I am your God. And I was a new Christian, not even five years. And I'm going, you are my God. You know, I, he's, he's promising there's going to be with me. I will strengthen you and help you. <laughs> I had grown up sort of in the culture of the Filipinos where you help the parents. And, um, you know, was, was God revealed to me that I was actually in school, not just for myself, but also to please them. And God was just changing that paradigm. No, you're going to serve me. and You're going to use the medicine so you can tell people about me. And the last verse, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Pastor, the last thing I, I want is to be in front. I like to be behind the scenes, washing dishes, cooking. Uh, this is not me. But I know God saying, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I go with the flow. I understand God, God does that. And, you know, I said, Lord, I am not a great speaker. I, I don't know. If you don't use me, I'm going to flop. But I remind remind me of that verse. Uphold you with my righteous right hand. Um, um, you know that we we often say that to turn a deaf ear to a God who is so. I mean, you're gonna have to. He says, if you dig a hole and go straight down to the pit of hell, I'm gonna be there. If you decide to go to the darkest place, I'm gonna be there. If you try to hide from me, the highest place, I'm gonna be there. So to resist the will of God, you got to be super, super stubborn. Uh, it's very difficult. So I could see how uh, this voice became very clear. So that what happened when you tell now your relatives, guess what? We're staying on the island. Oh, lost on the island. they said, they, uh, you, what, what, you drank some Kool-Aid over there? <laughs> like, no. And then finally, my wife's parents came and, and saw that um, they were normal people that we were fellowshipping with, where we were going to church. Uh, and uh, the people that we were helping, the, uh, the orphans, uh, it was all real. And so they were convinced, okay, maybe you didn't lose your marbles, but we're not going to help you. You know, we're not going to support you. And um, I didn't know about, you know, fundraising. I didn't know about being sent out. I thought that when God calls you, he equips you. And I thought that, you know, believe that if he calls you, he equips you and provides for you. And so um, 
no support at all from anybody except the local church. Uh, and we worked, my wife and I, in the kitchen to feed about 150 orphaned kids. The church had an orphanage with boys and, and girls. And we cooked and, you know, we got, we did we didn't for the Lord. And I wasn't worried about, you know, um, offerings or anything like that. But they gave us about $150 worth of offering a month to help pay for stuff that we ate. Good, because I learned to cook Dominican food <laughs> with the kong kong and the rice and beans. And I learned, um, you know, to serve. And I learned um, in John where it says, Jesus said, do you love me? I was feeding the kids, feeding them and cooking for them. And I appreciated that, you know, just being able to be an example for the little kids for the next generation. And some of them now are married and adults, and um, it's amazing. Um, one of the things, the highlight for us for, for that season was um, as we were serving in the kitchen, also doing medical outreach, uh, we came across a young little girl that the mom threw away because she was not all there. She threw away the garbage and the neighbors rescued it, but she was too sick. And so we came across her and our son Isaac was about six months. And to help save this child, my wife fed her and breastfed her because that was the, the cheapest and that was the healthiest form of food. And, and I was like shocked, oh my God. And then, uh, you know, she's asleep, and I'm changing the diapers, and they're hungry, and I'm like, Lord, which one, who, who do I feed first? <laughs> and the Lord said, the same time. Feed them, because I love them the same. So I fed both the kids. I got their rice cereal and got fed them both at the same time. Yeah, it's a powerful scenario. training wheels of ministry doesn't happen all of a sudden i mean just tell tell us a little bit about what corazón de siervo does um as it's laid out right now in santo domingo the various homes because you're going to hear about um a home for uh single mothers and prostitutes and then a hospice, is that the same or in different uh, locations? Well, the hospice uh, that we do there is in people's homes. So um, it, it, we, we go to their, to their place, it's like Christ came to, to us, we go to their place and actually as we go there we become light and ambassador and most of the Dominicans love and accept prayers. And so we know that when we pray with them and, and, and just relate with them on a real, real basis, a, a human, human basis, not, not a physician, but a, somebody that cares, somebody that, and, and just they're so open. Um, we've had now widows that come back in the States that uh, become family. That's what happens. You, you, they, they, you see them as a patient, and at the end, of, uh, they become family to you. Um, the other ministries that we're involved in, we help support a, um, a home for um, men and women at risk, we call them. Um, Explain they, that a little bit. They, they work in the street to, to sell their bodies, and uh, some of them have, through evangelism with them, and, 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 and just reaching out and loving them unconditionally, have decided yes. And there's a local church there, and we partner with their leaders to provide the medical care, to provide behind-the-scenes help of, you know, beds and, and, and medical orientation, and also just loving on the, the, the young men and women. 
Então, one of the scenes which really was uh, so powerful, we went to Santo Domingo in February to do a men's conference and there was five of us that came and uh, David Palma and Gretel were there and um, they had 30 children uh, from six months to about 11, 12 years old, 30 of them staying at their house at the same time they had come in from Guana, Guyana, Guyana. Guyana. Guyana with their parent, uh, some of them brought two parents, but so the most of them only had one parent, and they were staying there, but these these children were like just about to die because they were gonna have a heart transplant, a valve transplant, they were gonna have serious surgery, and it was just a, a moment by moment, and not one, not 10, not 20, 30 kids um, uh, coming into their home and, and you see all the bunk beds all lined up with their parents on top. Imagine your child at seven or 10 years old and, and this overnight, because they were gonna spend one night there and then they were gonna go to? Uh, a hospital that we're affiliated to in the border between Haiti and the Dominican Republic called Himani, mm -hmm. where a top-notch hospital um, has been open so to be able to correct defects, heart defects uh, from all parts of the world and so their, their heart is to be able to serve kids that don't have hope absolutely and and, and give them a chance of life and uh, funny that uh, you know as, I'll as tell you what I, I wasn't part of that whole thing but I was scared I was like Lord don't let no one die tonight please <laughs> 30 kids and they need like like immediate yeah. surgery yeah uh, because of their genetic deformities or yeah. their illnesses and and I was like this is too much pressure for, for uh, for any human being to have to care. So I, one of the girls was running around and then she yep. was like losing her breath and she yeah. was like on that, that, that pathway down and, and I was like, ah! <laughs> and I see Dr. Salvador goes, just lay her there for a little bit, she'll be okay. I was like, ah! <laughs> you know, this is too much pressure. Uh, but it doesn't happen from staying in Santo Domingo to 30 people one night. There's a progressive faithfulness. How many years have you guys been doing this now? More than 15 years. More than awesome. 15 years. Awesome. Amen. Amen. So there's, there's medical teams that come in from different parts of the world, and they do the transition to help. Um, talk about your dispensary. And, and all the, the stuff that you guys have. Right. Um, we have a warehouse of stuff that God gives to us. <laughs> and uh, we help the missionary community, their families, because, I mean, you know, missionaries have budgets that are incredible. It's amazing how, you know, we make it. And, and we make the, the medicines available to them. And actually, some of them don't want to take it. I said, well, if you want to pay for what dad paid for already, Go ahead, <laughs> you know, go ahead and buy it somewhere else. But you, you, we usually end up with medication that um, helps save lives. We, one case, uh, there was a, some friends in Sarasota that sent us medicine that was um, already pre-mixed and uh, was in dry ice overnight to us. And the next day, we found a child who was eight-year-old, who happens to be a, a worship leader in his youth team, had opened appendectomy, done, the surgeons left, and did not leave antibiotics. For the next two weeks, he spent it with a um, hospital in the city. He lived in four hours away in Barahona, and he got life-saving antibiotics that God brought forth because of the ministry. So the child 
the doctor, the director was so glad that we could help and they could help that he actually told some of the insurance companies and when he checked out, he owed zero. You might not know the, the, the geopolitical climate, but that one island of Santo Domingo is shared by the Haitians. Mm -hmm. So half of it's Haiti and half of it's Dominican Republic. And the policy in Dominican Republic is we're not going to share anything with the Haitians. Mm -hmm. So the Haitians come over to the Dominican side and the Dominican government their teaching, their hospitals, their clinics, their medical services say, we don't care if a Haitian dies. We don't care if they, they need a Band-Aid or they need fever medication, whatever they need, we're not going to treat them. They could die like dogs, mm -hmm. literally. Yeah. And so that's their attitude. And so part of your ministry also is to be a bridge Yes. to the Haitian. Yes. Um, one of the things that was incredible is that you come over to Dominican Republic being a Haitian and you give birth to babies, they're born Dominican. Well, the government says, no, he's Haitian and he gets no medical treatment either. So even if you're born there of Haitian parents, no medical care and their ministry and their mission is to make sure that that's not the case. Yes. That everybody gets equal care. Speak on that a little bit with um, respect to that bridge. We, um, we see um, a lot of uh, what you saw in the South as far as bad treatment of human beings. And, um, and uh, yes, they, let, they will let them dry. And one of the things that God sort of warned us when we stayed was, uh, you're ready to work with the Haitian population. I said, well, Lord, you called us to stay. I know there, <laughs> there's so many here. And so we started working at the garbage dump. Um, the garbage dump, people that work there, there's about oh, a thousand families that live in shanty areas in the city of Santo Domingo. And uh, the Lord brought us there to start working with kids that are starving, that have bellies big and just parasite and bringing, um, just bringing awareness to them and, and loving them. Um, there's a small clinic there, but you know they give them a receta, a prescription, buy this medicine. They haven't eaten that day. So we've told the pastor locally, if there's anything that's needed and you can't buy it or anybody that you know can't buy it, please call us. We'll make sure that it's provided. And so we often do medical outreaches in this community close to the garbage dump at least once um, every other month so that we could see the need and help them. Um, and um, we get referrals from people, just, you know, uh, somebody who has, needs medicine, pain medicine, and, 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 and all kinds of antibiotics. And so what I understand God gives to us is to give away, you know. And, and uh, our purpose for the medicine, even each day I'm, I'm realizing, is to be able to speak to the people that we have a father that loves them and that he is waiting for them and he's anxious to be face to face with them and, and Jesus loved them, so. Well, truly our time there, um, the five days that we spent, and again, we were invited from a, for a, ch a church invited us down there to do a men's conference and uh, Dr. Sabado uh, hosted us during that time. Uh, that's, that, it looks like Duck Dynasty there, doesn't it? 
And witness a little bit of our ministry, um, and and could you share with the congregation just so that it's 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 coming from your perspective what you saw as our team came in and and were challenging the men. There was about a lot of pastors from outside of the city coming in for this three-day pa- uh, men's conference, and um, and on the last day, you and Diane were able to come. Yeah, we were um, able to just be blessed by the ministry. Um, I had been to some men's ministry, men's meeting, um, but this was different. I, I felt like, you know, as a Dominican also grafted there, every time something was said, we're like, ooh, ah, and my wife and I are looking, ooh, that's going to hurt. And, 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 and I was glad to see that Dominicans took it. You know, it, it's, it's like, you know, God saying, swallow. This is good for you. This is medicine is good for you. This is, and they're, they're, you know, I know some of them and they're like, oh, that's going to hurt. And, and, and it was awesome that they said, okay. And it was great that Pastor Rafael, the, the, the pastor that was overseeing that church and other churches that he oversees, was afterwards was like, thank you so much. We need that. Yes. We need that. We need that in the Dominican Republic. We need that ministry. Amen. Amen. Uh, we really appreciate. <laughs> seeing this family with hands-on experience there uh, on the ground. Um, Dr. Sabado has also a big burden for the Philippines. Um, talk to us because we're world changers. What is the sentiment of the Filipino culture? Um, if you so don't know, um, Philippines was colonized by Spain. And so um, a lot of, of what happens in a colonized country, uh, by, by their, the country that colonized them, when they left, um, America came in and Japan came in, and we'd just been bombarded. And, and, and it's, it's, uh, there's a fighting spirit there of the Filipinos. They're resilient and whatnot, but they're also those who are not in God, that's not walking with God, they're... They're lost. And I was telling Pastor that um, the ministry to the men and, and, and encouraging them to imitate a godly, godly example as, they, as we, as they imitate Christ, would be an awesome ministry in the, in the Philippines. Um, I have been...